Hey, nerds! It's Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Exclusive tabletop game podcast for the uh, Pacific Northwest. All levels of gamers. Analog gaming. Tabletop news. Dungeons and Dragons. Stupid, mindless There will definitely be some bet. That's probably our best. Lot that, that's, that's, our, that's our best feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. This segment of the podcast is sponsored by Dragonflight, a tabletop games convention dedicated to promoting the educational and social benefits of gaming in the Pacific Northwest. Sign up now at dragonflight.org. Now back to our show. Hey geeks, Blue Samurai here, and I am with Rebeculous, and I am with I am still Paul, and it's episode fifty six. Fifty six. I write that down. We're getting old. We are. We are. We should do. That's uh, almost your age. I, I thought maybe we do. What? That's almost your age. Wait, that is your age. Ha ha. Uh, ha my age. Not by much. Not I'm like really. I'm just right behind you. Yeah, you're young enough to be my younger brother. There you In go. fact, he is. <laughs> I did not that know surprised? that. Wow. <laughs> I know. Well, different mothers and fathers. Yeah, probably. Probably. Well, we got a great show for you today because we've got who? David Yetzi. Yeah. He is the game designer of Cabinet of Curiosities. Mm-hmm. He won the Lucy Award at ETX 2019. Yes, he did. Very cool. What's what's the Lucy Award? Jeez. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it during the interview. Yeah, thank you, David. I mean, of course, we had to kidnap you, strap you to a chair. That's right. You speak into a microphone, but Uh that's okay. That's their style. We also that's how we spend Dragonflight. Strapping people to chairs. We also have a game review from um, uh, from Doug, Doug and Kelly. I believe Kelly was on that one. Excellent. And it's called Gans Sean Clever. I hope I got that right. I got that right. I, I'm sure. I, I, there's no way you didn't get it's that. It's a German right. thing. So I. What know. does it mean? Like Glockenspiel. What does it mean? Um, Guns. That that's got to be gun, right? Gun. What? No. That's so clever. Guns? I think that's what it is. Guns. Oh, okay. I think that's what it means. You're the linguist. We should have looked that well, up not really. before we yeah, started we I, talking. Yeah. About it. Actually, the truth Makes is, sound uneducated. I called Doug right after this. And told me <laughs> and I, I barely speak this language. Well, there's no umlaut, so I don't know how to pronounce that middle one. We'll, we'll find out. Well, I do want to give a shout out to you around the table. Thanks again. For Thank you so much. Doing this podcasting in the back here. Thank you for the Sumptown Nitro that's powering me and Rebecca. Woohoo! And I've got a what, Paul? I don't You've know. got a Capella Porter. Mm. A Capella. Delicious. It is delicious. Sing it. Um, All right. That's later. It's a different show. So, what do we got going for con news? Con news? But we're just going to jump right into it. Jump right into okay. it. Okay. Well, uh, first off, we have um, sad news from VCon, which is um, Metro Vancouver's oldest science fiction and fantasy convention. It's canceled this year. But why? Um, they have a heavy heart. They they didn't have the they resources. Because they have heavy hearts. Well, that does drag you down. Yeah. <clears throat> Make sure you talking to that microphone. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I want yeah. my important comments to be heard. Um, they um, they just didn't have the resources to put it together. And that happens sometimes at conventions. Sometimes so that's, that's too bad. Sorry. That's Better sad. canceled than, That was going to be number 43 yeah. for VCon. But that's too bad. They're, they're hoping to come back in 2021. They have a list of guests that I'm not going to read. Well, they're not going to show up now. <laughs> exactly. Well, they might. Here's hoping they sent them emails. <laughs> Oops. We have to tell everyone that we canceled it. And now, do you like comic books? I love comic books. Duh. Because that's really all that's going on this month. Oh, wow. Okay. Let me get, Sometimes there's tabletop gaming at these things. Uh, there might be. Um, I don't see any on these, but we've got Bellingham Comic Con, October 19th. That's in Bellingham, Washington. Northwest Washington's premier comic book convention. They've got um, Kendar Blake. Does that sound familiar? Jeremy Colwell, John Gallagher, Andy Owen, who's X-Men, Wolverine, The Flash, Superman. Roger Sweet, Doug Sweet. Wheatley. Sweet. Dude. Um, it's fifteen bucks at the door. That's not bad. No, it's it's one day only though, so that is uh, October nineteenth in Bellingham, Washington. Kids mm-hmm. seven and under free. What up with that? Wow, because you got you got to get them young. Mm-hmm. You, you, you buy them a long box and one comic, and then it just goes on from there. And what is it? What are they? Two fifty now. Mm-hmm. When I was doing it, it was a dollar twenty five for a good comic. 
I don't know. That, that was like 1987. When I was a kid. When I was, was a, when I was an adult. Bits. When I was an adult in 1987, and I bought comic books. Um, it's also, strange that we went to school together, and we ne- I never knew you read comic books. Well, I actually didn't um, when we knew each other. I did it before we knew each other. And then you stopped. And then I stopped. Oh. It was. That's probably why you became more popular. <clears> that's it. That was, that was my sure. whole thing. Constantly you know, learning new gi- stuff about these guys. Giant plan about me becoming popular in high school. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about when I was a, when I was a sophomore and I had no friends at all. <laughs> Okay, maybe let's I, talk maybe, about maybe that. that's a different podcast. Yeah. No, no, no. Let's do it now. We have time. I want to hear about that. What'd you do? Just hang out and study hall. Oh, didn't, didn't hurt at all. Um, also going on, we have Lake City Comic Con. Not that Lake City, but the one with the nice lake in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Oh, okay. That is October nineteenth. Um, yeah, our Lake City's kind of gross here, isn't it? Okay, a little sorry, bit. It's, not a it's a little. It's a road with some it's, bars on it. Yeah, pretty much. Kind of There's seedy. some car dealerships. Pretty much. There's some good restaurants there. Not like Idaho. Not like Idaho. Um, Coeur d'Alene is beautiful. Never go been. to Coeur d'Alene. Never been. Oh, it's gorgeous. You should go. It's like, there's, this, it's, there's a season where there's a bunch of weird black flies. Try to avoid that. But oh. anyway. Are you racist? Um, I don't like any flies. I don't well, like bugs at so all. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Saturday, October 19th at the Kootenay County Fairgrounds inside the Jacklin Building number 25. The number 25. Yes, so and it's my six one. bucks at the door. Why not go? Free parking. We got Zach Ward, who is um, the mean kid in the Christmas story. Yes, he looks familiar. Greg he Valentine, the hammer. He does not look familiar. He's a 40 time champion WWE. And Carla Perez, aka Rita Repulsa from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Sounds yep. very cool. And if you still like comics, we have. The Jet City Comic Show, October 26th and 27th in, in Tacoma, Washington. That looks cool. Check it does look cool. You know rifle. what? I love that logo. You need to, you need to put I want that, that on. A, I want that on a shirt. I might have to go to this just to get that on a shirt. And that, that's at the, at the Tacoma Convention Center. They've got people like Sexy Sexy Gil Gerard. Oh my goodness. If you remember Buck Rogers from oh, the 20th of course. century. Um, were you born after the 80s? Right. Oh, well, you might have been. We got, um, we got um, author Robin Hobb. Veronica Fish, comic book guest. Um, Kevin McGuire, comic book guest. Sounds great. A two-day pass is $25. Sounds super fun. And there's just one other con I want to talk about. It happens in January in Bellevue, Washington at the Hilton Hotel. It's Orca-based. It's called OrcaCon. It's um, your... uh, Orca-based? Orca-based. We... What we do is we boil down the orcas to make a base, <laughs> and then everyone makes their own soup. Oh, it's neat. fantastic. Probably tastes a little fishy, huh? Oh, oh they're not really fish. They're oh. dolphins. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if only had a zoology degree. <laughs> if only had a zoology <laughs> degree. Yes. Um, but hey, tabletop gaming, the very That's best. Right. It's going right. to be a, a bigger and better every year. Sounds like a segue, if you ask me. Are you done? No, I mean, we oh, get your room. No Rooms yeah. are still available at the price at the, at the good price. Um, I don't know if we've passed early bird pricing yet. It was well, either. Well, this thing posts, it will be on the verge. Of real it. close, real God, close. I, I think October first is. Get your room. Yeah. I gotta get my room. Just get your room. What kind of idiot am I? Get your room. Get a badge. Yeah. People keep telling me to up. get a room, up, and I just never do it. Uh, there's, two more con- there's two more cons. If you don't mind, I'll. Oh sure, there's other cons. September 27th or 29th. At uh, Ocean Shores. Oh. Um, it is called Fervana. Fervana? Fervana is the latest and greatest anthro- anthropomorphic. Pomorphic. Why can't I say that? Because well, so you're not good at the word things. No, it is. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's great. You should go. I'll read, we, they'll read the whole thing. No, read the, read the rest of it. I really have to read them. Okay. Coming to Pacific Northwest, Fervana happily welcomes all furries, artists, Writers, performers, musicians, and anyone with a creative spirit. And by the way, Rebecca will be there representing <laughs> Geeks of Cascadia. Thank you so much for going there. I'm going to be a Chihuahua. A Chihuahua, excellent. Also, you're going to be at FurryCon. Uh, so see uh, Rebecca there. She'll be at FurryCon, November 21st to the 24th. Uh, Rebeculous. Sorry, Rebeculous. Sorry, I'm so sorry. So sorry, check that out. Whatever, By the way, Fervana is uh, September 27th through 29th, which when you hear this about the same time, this con's going on. So there you go. Fervana, like a little 
Nirvana. Kind of like Nirvana. That's Nirvana, super but for, yes, yeah. You know, you, you, dude, for this pronunciation thing, you should probably get a job where you talk a lot. I probably should. Yeah. I'll work on that. Yeah, I'll excellent. That. Um, Y'all don't know how funny that game actually is. news. <laughs> what kind of game news? Um, buy like fun game, game news. Yeah. All right, so I, I'm, I'm trying to, can I just, can I just, there we go. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm trying to have like a theme here to my, to my little game that I talk about now on. I don't know if you've been able cool. to tell. This one's kind of like, you know, uh, good guys against bad guys. It's kind of, okay, okay there's a lot of games sure. out there, but there's a lot of, this is going to be great. In the future, you'll look back and appreciate all my themes. Um, so this one uh, <laughs> is, uh, this is um, not quite on Kickstarter yet. It's going to be there November 5th, but it really caught my eye. It's from Blacklist Games. It's called Hour of Need. Uh, it's a game designed by Adam and Brady Sadler. And uh, it's a superhero game. The city is under attack. Nefarious plots are afoot, and evil supervillains are attacking. Dun dun. Can you put a sound effect in there like I just sure, did? Sure, I will okay. definitely Thanks. do that. I will do that as well. We, <laughs> you won't. They won't. Uh, so they need the world's greatest heroes to rescue us, and that's just what you'll be doing in Hour of Need, which is a new cooperative superhero board game. Uh, it's for one to four players, up to six, with an expansion that they will offer soon. Uh, it features fast gameplay, detailed minifigures, a variety of modular fixed decks for heroes, villains, and the different issues they will encounter. And it lets you create your own comic book stories in the modern day superhero comics fun. universe. You I should buy that. I, it sounded exciting. I feel like I feel like the void is trying to be filled with anything and everything since the you know, Infinity War and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Superheroed up. Anyway, that looked fun. Uh, let's see. Next, I uh, picked Code 3. It is an action-packed police board game. It is uh, about three weeks left on Kickstarter. I think, they're, I think they surpassed their goal. I don't know. You'll have to check and then maybe read more. Uh, this game caught my eye because it's set in the 80s. All right. We all know how wow. awesome the 80s mm -hmm. are. Yes. Uh, it introduces a thing they call the beat partner system. So you choose two unique police officers. There are a bunch to choose from. And specifically, <laughs> what it, it, it said as a few of the choices you'll have, hardened or crusty. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Salty, drunk, inept, or overzealous. Oh. Those, are, those are like all These me. These are descriptions right. of various cops that we <laughs> perhaps may have all met in our lives. They didn't put... Um, this takes place in the 80s? Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Break dancing and... Uh, probably. Probably. And you get There's a all... Aquanet. Well, I mean, it's... it's I already it's have Aquanet. The good guys against the bad guys. So if the police happen to arrest you for break dancing... I have never stopped using Aquanet. Aquanet's great, man. It's the it best thing ever. This. Yes, this right? Here. It's awesome. You got to hold your head upside down though for a few minutes while you do it. Maybe. I don't really do it that way. Anyway, so you can <laughs> uh, so you can pick two of these cards and you can com combine, and it's going to make your your little uh, police force unique um, because you are always combining two different cards. You also select the police chief, and he can either help you out of sticky situations or he can. Um, uh, put you in front of internal affairs, so you got to. So he can be grumpy and angry with you. I'm, I'm taking your badge and gun. I will say they have all male police chiefs, but it was the 80s. It was the 80s. Okay, yes, that works. Okay, that's, that's period uh, accurate. Uh, so there are many ways to lose and only one way to win. What choices will you make? Will you play by the book? Will you bend the rules a little bit to get the job done? Will you, you vouch for your teammate when they are being grilled by internal affairs, even when you know they're dirty? I'm gonna pocket the coke. And, and will your choices come back to haunt you? Because <laughs> uh, they always do, don't they? She's a peep. Um, so let's see. Another in the good guys or bad guys. There's a Power Rangers Heroes game, uh, which uh, has an expansion. I guess it already exists. It has a new grid expansion. Heroes of the Grid expansion. New heroes, more villains, and more opportunities for you to save Angle Angel Grove. It wouldn't be Angle Grove, right? I haven't played the Power that'll Rangers be, that's, That'll be like a woodworking thing. Okay. Must be Angel <laughs> Grove. I think it might be misspelled on the website. Anyway. Um, and then the last one that I have, I thought, fell into the good guys versus bad guys category because uh -huh. it's it says in the website, Arch Rivals. But it's really, as I read, <laughs> it's Arch Ravels. Like Unravels, Arch Ravels. By XYZ Games, it's a knitting game. <laughs> oh, <laughs> kid you not! But it looks really cool. I thought so it was going to be about like a, a 
Bolero. I thought it was, I know, I read it and I was like, well, it's not part of the theme, but you know. Uh, experience yeah. the colorful and crafty world of fiber arts. Play as one of four characters, and one of the characters is named Rebecca. Boom. Yes. But not Rebecca. She's the thrifty shopper. Well. So not me. Uh, it, one of four characters, they each have their own unique crafting specialty. You can hit the yarn bazaar to build up your stash. I love how they use the word stash to try and make it cool. I got a stash More street. of yarn. Hey, I got your blues. I got your uh, aquas. I got your teals. All and right. if you like that cross-stitching thing, we got to do that too. Uh, follow patterns to make cuddly bears, warm blankies, and cozy scarves. Along the way, you'll get some unique special requests. Don't know what that means. Uh, turn in your completed items to master a pattern, complete projects, and score points. When the project list runs out, whoever scores more po most points wins. Two to four players, about 48 minutes, and it's ages eight and up, so oh, you can play. Yay! And uh, that was, uh, did I say XYZ Game Labs? Actually, it really looked like a cool game. I know, it's yarn. I would never in real life, but... I tried it once when I had my knee surgery. I was going to try it since I couldn't move at all. I tried to just um, remember how to crochet. I was going to make beer koozies for my coworkers. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to watch TV instead. I made, I made pot holders when I was a kid on the little square frame things. Really difficult stuff. And I latch hooked. Remember Latchuk? Yes. Was anyone born in the 70s? So very, or 60s? So very nice. I, uh, that's it. And my uh, next week's theme. It's going to be space. Stay tuned. Is it like like, like outer space or just kind of the use of space? You will have to tune in next I, week. I, I, I cannot wait. Are I, you going to tune in? I, I will. I, I will tune in. I have to watch these things. Well, I've got another thing I'd like to talk about. Um, part of this gaming news. You know, you ever been in a session and somebody says something that makes everyone uncomfortable? You mean like all the time, you mean like D and D Rebecca session. All the time. Rebecca said something. Or, may, or maybe I, somebody I, rolls a like, somebody rolls a two. Well. Says something weird, and everyone's like, um, "Yeah, okay." Nervous laughter. Well, <laughs> That's never games me. Releases consent in gaming book. The point of the games is to have fun, right? Otherwise, we're just people sitting around playing pretend with convoluted rules for no reason. During the RPG sessions, topics can come up that won't always sit well with others. So let's say you're playing lap dance. <laughs> By the way, if you have a review of it, please email us at geeksofcast.com. Well, they took it away. I know they took it away. It they took scary. it away. We're really in the world of games. Can get it actually, I can't believe they made a ta tabletop game out of that. Can anyway, you buy the game lap dance if you go sure you to could. a stripper You can buy place? it right here. I, you could buy it right here. <laughs> yeah. you, can't, you don't have to go we to a stripper the, place. Like, to, darn it. There's like 100 cards in that thing. Did you know that? There's a lot of cards. There's a lot of strippers. Anyway, so how does one approach such topics, and how do GMs make sure that what they're running works well with everyone. That's what Consent Gaming, a new book for Monty Cook Games. So check it out. Go to their website. I like the uncomfortableness, the awkward silences. Yeah, I, I like that. to um, okay. say horrible things. I, I forgot a game, by the way. You did? Oh, go I ahead. I forgot one. You did? Yeah, I, have, I have a thing, too. It's for... just short. It's a little sure. uh, card game. It looked really cool. It's called Rumble. Like rumble, yo, like sharks and the jets. And the, like, you know. let's get ready to, but we can't say that because that's copyrighted. Oh, yes, yeah. I guess that yeah. might be. No, we don't want to, to take all of our money. money. <laughs> it does say, do you ever want to live out that battle scene from Anchorman? Well, Rumble is here to help you battle it out with your friends, family, street style. And uh, that's really why I wanted to read that because it cited Anchorman. But it uh, looks pretty cool. A little card game. It's for uh, uh, one to two people. So I like that. And they um, have this fancy artwork that if you read farther down, they said this artwork is not what we're going to have in our final thing. They want it to be more like um, garbage pail kids. <laughs> so I recommend you keep the artwork you have. This looks really cool. It looks good. Anyway, rumble. rumble. Cool. So I want to mention really quick. Um, That's the. Oops, sorry. You're not done? No, I okay. just wanted the gesture to. Nothing. It doesn't come across in the no, podcast. No, no, no. Paladin Role Playing from um, Devon, England. They um, they make dice. They've got a, a new Kickstarter. They're, oh, they're, they've got at least from England. Eh? Yes, they are. That looks great, mate. <laughs> they've got like seven different kinds of, uh, of, um, of, of 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 role playing dice. Mm -hmm. I'm not and mocking. They are gorgeous, they and they're relatively good. inexpensive. Just like um, Lynn Hardy trying to make up for my. You can jump in at this her. for um, you can get one set of dice for um. 
10 pounds, which is about 12 bucks. Now, and what is so special about them? They're, they're beautiful. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. They feel good in your hand. I have a set of these. Uh, I really, really like them. And which ones? Are those your pink ones? They're actually some of my metal ones. Oh, oh those are cool. Yeah, and then the metal ones, they roll, they tend to hit 20s. Oh, really? They don't roll very well, and it's not very satisfying. They kind of stick. Hmm. But as I pound the table during the podcast. But one thing you hate. Yeah, people yeah. who pound the table mm-hmm. during the podcast. Hate and I did it myself. So one thing that I encourage people to look at, and we all picked up a Well, I picked up a copy. I don't know if you guys did. Is Descent, uh, Baldur's Gate Descent in Avernus that came out uh, from Wizards of the Coast with their D&D 5th edition. It is awesome. I've been diving into it. I don't want to get too much into it because yeah, so we may that, be so playing it. So that's an adventure, looking. right? It's an adventure. So I've been looking primarily just at the Baldur's Gate portion of it because I don't want to spoil anything. And just the gazetteer and, and the whole campaign setting of the city of... Okay, uh, so, the, so there's information in it about Boulder's Gate. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, so, so it's divided into two parts. The actual campaign. Okay. And then Boulder's Gate as a setting. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And Avernus is a little bit talked about as a setting as well, but I didn't want to get into that because you never know. Uh, Sounds like a venereal Steve, disease. our other DM who... We might be transitioning to that because we got D and D night, and my my campaign is slowly winding down. And he's talking about taking us to a furnace. Yeah, it we'll see what he does. Scary. Well, demons and yeah, whatnot. Is. Yeah, it's. I don't it's, know anything about it. It's the bad place. The bad place. Yeah, seems like all, all the places are bad places. Can we be bad characters? Can we be evil? No. I've never been no. an evil. Oh, it'll be no. the same characters from the Have campaign. Have you ever been in a character. campaign with evil? Characters? Either no, one of you? Never have. Never? No. No. Hmm. Why do you want to be evil? Well, it might be fun. Would be fun. I'm tired of being good all the time. Why well, is good? Why yeah, saving battle, people? Yeah, battle bad people? I just want to kill people. All but it's, it's, it's all a point of view, though. So yeah. if someone should write a campaign where you are actually bad people, like like lawful evil, right. and you have to take out the good guys. But, but from your point of view, they are bad guys. So you know who's a really wow, good dude. person That's as deep. I segue? Me? No. Oh. No. The no. Yetzi guy. Yes. <laughs> David. David. David Yetzi yes. from Cabinet of Curiosities. Yes. Do you want to listen to what he is? Let's talk to him. All I'm right, curious. Let's do that. Okay. Write him out now. Hey, geeks. We got a special guest with us. They're all special, but you're really special. <laughs> I promise. I don't tell that to anyone. We got David here, the game designer who uh, developed a game called Cabinet of Curiosities. Yes. I got that right. Yes. (laughs) All right. David, tell us about your game. What's going on with it? Uh, So it's a spatial bidding game is the the hook, the pitch of it. Mm -hmm. You're using uh, bidding tokens as a resource, some uh, semi-hand management in a way, because you only have a certain number of bid tokens, and you're moving around a grid to try and collect uh, set collection style, a la Sushi Go style of set collection. Okay. Uh, and so you're using your limited number of bids to move around the the grid, which is a market, to collect these. And the way that works is as you make a bid, it stays there until a tile is won, and then all the non-winning bids go back to the player. So if you win a couple uh, cards early, mm-hmm. you are giving up your ability to win late. Uh, and then how another way that that plays into an interesting dynamic is that there is a mechanism called cornering the market, uh, meaning that whenever because w- uh, when you make a bid, you need to the next player bids adjacent, uh, okay. orthogonally adjacent to the okay. next bid. If there's no legal bid, uh, you can just bid with any number, so no one can beat you because you have to bid higher and orthogonally adjacent. So you can get in a situation where you kind of corner the market and you win two or three tiles in a row mm-hmm. with very small numbers. So that's pretty okay. much the rundown of the game. Yeah. yeah. And what do the tiles represent? Just uh... Uh, the tiles are these odd curiosities. So there's a traveling market has come okay. into town, and so the people that want all the weird stuff that they normally can't get access to, like brain in a jar, yeah, or dragon claws. Yeah, I know those are hard to come by. <laughs> yeah, I know they're rare now. Yeah. Amazon, yeah. they took them off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what the each individual tile is, and some of them are large sets, some of them are small sets. Uh, yeah. So that's why you kind of picked the name Cabinet of Curiosities. Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And a Cabinet of Curiosities is the old term for specialized museums. So like if somebody had mm-hmm. a very interesting collection, they could show off their interesting collection 
by having their cabinet of curiosities, which doesn't necessarily okay. need to be a cabinet. It could just be a collection. Okay. You're like, hey, look at this cool stuff. I'm a collector. Yeah, of. yeah. So, yeah. Very okay. cool. Well, so when we talked, uh, you were telling me that you don't have any games here. Yes. But they're all at the publisher. Um, at publishers. Publishers. Not, it's, yeah, it's not signed or okay. anything yet, but I'm working on trying to make that happen. Okay. Yeah, got one, maybe... I've got a couple that it could, uh, maybe. Okay. Nothing, nothing yet. So you're you're hoping it, this can be done rather than kickstarting it yourself at this point, right? That is correct. That's the direction I'm probably going to go in. Mm -hmm. I've put a lot of thought into it. I still may go in that direction, but I am under the impression that if I can get something with my name on it, it's going to just have a little bit more. My name will have a little bit more weight. No. Right. So I'm trying to go in that direction. Is this? Have you done any other games? Oh, I've got a lot of games. This Great, let's talk about let's, Okay, yeah. Let's talk about those. I don't have any other games that have won any awards, but that's the only <laughs> game that's won an hey, award. you're a lot, you know what? You're, you've done more games than Paul. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, so I tend mm -hmm. to, I, I make a lot. So I've been designing as a hobby for probably mm -hmm. seven or eight years, extremely focused the past five or so, where that's my main hobby. That's just what I do. I go to conventions, play tests with other people. Yeah. I go to weekly or sometimes more frequent uh, design meetups. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I do. So uh, I have a lot of games of, in of various quality. Some of them, many of them are bad, but you know. <laughs> what about the game, any games that uh, maybe the listeners or viewers might know or can get right now? Uh, oh, no, no, no. I don't have any published games yet. Okay. okay. I mean, okay. We're, I'm working on it. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. We, we've talked to a lot of people uh, in the past, or uh, two, three years now, I guess, oh, yeah. that, that uh, were in, in these stages, and yeah. they actually publish things, you know, and and then they go on and make it big, and they forget about us. But we know you, <laughs> David, will not forget about I us. I will not. <laughs> I, I just, it's, now that you've mentioned that, I'm going to keep remembering that. Okay. That's the way you do Good. it. So, it, you know, people are always interested. How do I, how do I do this? Get mm -hmm. this? How do I game do game design? So, you you develop this 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 game. Yes. And how did you get it in front of the publisher? Because that's that's not easy, right? Well, that I'm. I brought a lot of games to, so Origins was where I, the most recent convention that I went to, okay. and I set up a lot of meetings ahead of time. And having the ability to say this is an award-winning game mm -hmm. was a huge plus. So I definitely think that entering into contests and, mm -hmm. and trying that route is a good way to get some interest, getting your right. foot in the door uh -huh. to get interest. And how did you, what was the award that you won? It was called the Lucy Award, which mm -hmm. is a uh, for uh, ETX, uh, Evergreen Tabletop Expo. Every year, uh, for the past several years, Lucy Award has been the award for the uh, best game. Well, they have, it's technically two awards. They have Fan Favorite, which is the one that didn't win the award, but uh, had a lot of votes for people that liked okay. the game. Um, and that game this year was um, uh, Gem Cataclysm. Okay. Uh, also great game. Uh, the My game won the best, it's won like the main award, the okay. best design. Though they're both main awards. I shouldn't say main award. They're both good awards uh, to have. Mine won one of the awards. It was called Best Design uh, that went through the process. I mm -hmm. sat down in front of judges, had to explain my reasoning behind it. Mm -hmm. So that's what that award was. It's my only award I've won. Okay, so, cool. so basically what you try to do is, not all conventions have these, but yes. sometimes they do have awards for, you know, you're competing uh, for a prize of some kind. Then you can, at least you have, you can take that to, let's say, like you said, Origins mm -hmm. or maybe a Gen Con. You, what do you do? Do you call ahead to these publishers or you just, you kind of show up in the, with a group of other folks? It seems like they come in, come in as a group, <laughs> like, like Playtest Northwest. Yeah. And, and you try to just set up interviews with the publishers that are there? You absolutely want to set it up ahead of time. I, I know okay. a couple, I have a couple friends that did go and like did some cold call style mm -hmm. meetings where they're like, hey, do you have some time? But at conventions, publishers are quite busy. So they have right. stock schedules, and likely their schedule is stocked because they have meetings that have been pre-set up. Uh -huh. So right. if you're interested in trying to do this, first of all, I highly recommend the Compendium by Cardboard Edison, which has a list of publishers that oh. includes the ones that are actively looking for games. So right. you need to research who is looking for games, who's looking for the type of games that you are making, uh, and then contact them a month to two weeks out before a major convention. Uh, set up a meeting, say, hey, is there some... 
first of all, you're going to want to have a sell sheet. I guess I should backtrack to that. <laughs> have a game, number one. Right. Make a sell sheet. I mean, have a tested game. Have a good, okay. a well-tested game. Make a sell sheet to explain your game. Nowadays, kind of like the elevator pitch. Elevator pitch yeah. in a sheet form. Okay. Uh, look up, research that. Research all the stuff I'm saying because uh, there's so mm-hmm. many resources out there. Uh, preferably, if you can have a video that's like under four minutes. Mm-hmm. explains your game because that's kind of the direction that the mm-hmm. industry is going now is sell sheets was the thing and now videos are the thing going forward have those things find out what publishers are open to accepting submissions mm-hmm. which ones are looking for types of games that you have send out emails mm-hmm. or fill out their go to their website first find out how publishers want to be interacted with some of them mm-hmm. want you to fill out a form and they have the questionnaire and it says fill out all this stuff and then they'll have attachments, kind of like you're applying for a job. It's actually, the process feels similar actually because even whenever you're pitching to publishers, it feels like an interview. Yeah, It has a very similar dynamic. Uh, but yeah, so find out, find, get the information, send it out to the publishers in whatever form they prefer it. Sometimes it is just an email. Hopefully you'll get some bites and you'll get some publishers to say, yeah, I can, I can do that. Make sure you schedule everything appropriately, get there just like an interview, 15, five to 15 minutes ahead of time, mm-hmm. be professional, have your pitch ready, like uh, talk with your friends and family, go over exactly what you, th- you want to say, know your game's hook. Again, I haven't been published. I don't have any way to prove to you that what I'm saying is correct, <laughs> but I do a lot of research. I'm pretty, uh, I have a lot of friends that have been more successful so far than I have. Well, so you, you've, gotten, you've gotten a lot further than, some folks haven't even got to that point. Yeah. So that's that's good that you you've been there. Um, so what about the where are you in the process of mm-hmm. uh, of this in terms of like material? So do you give to a publisher? Hey, I like do you? Yeah, but already went to the printer and you got the box and you've got the you got the figures, you got the you know what the dice or whatever <laughs> that come with it. Do you, is that as far as you go? Almost having. A pro, like almost like you bought it off the shelf. Is that how good it has to be when you give it to a publisher, or can you have it? Uh, I don't know. Kind a little of, rougher. Yeah, a little rougher. You know, maybe not color in it or, or whatever. I'm it's just, definitely that is a ongoing discussion that uh, the design community talks about. When you're playtesting it for the first time, early on in playtesting, you don't want it to look good. In fact. If it looks good, I'm going to be more question. I'm going to question your motives a little bit. If you're, if I'm sitting down as a playtester and think, mm-hmm. have you tested this before? If they say no and it looks really good, I think, well, you could have wasted a lot of your time. Yeah. Your first test need to look bad. That's just what they mm-hmm. need to do. You need to get the table as fast as possible. You need to fail fast, as somebody said. I don't even know who said that, but that's kind of the thing people say now. So test it, get it working. I think I said that about my own life. But <laughs> Are you successful so far? Uh, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> okay yeah. But once you get past that, then the discussion comes into play. Mm-hmm. How well, how good does the game need to look to okay. get, because you don't, you want, my opinion is that you want it to not, you don't want the interface to get in the way of the gameplay. You don't want people to not know how to play. Mm-hmm. They can't figure out what's going on because your writing is weird. Once you, if it looks presentable and it is a functional prototype I personally think that's what you need and in fact I've Uh heard that some publishers feel the same way if you have a very polished looking Uh game they're going to feel a little bit more hesitant and think you may be too tied into that because a lot of publishers they need to work with what their line is sometimes it may get rethemed completely and I hear sometimes they go you know what that's great art but we got our own artists absolutely deal with them yeah so all right at some point, you're going to probably go, hey, look, these publishers aren't doing anything, or maybe they are. Are you going to go ahead and pull the trigger and try to do a Kickstarter yourself on this? And if a listener or um, some viewer looking at this and, and we'll you know, put some pictures up, maybe mm-hmm. they want to buy it now. Can they do that? How do they do that? Well, there's definitely no way to buy it now. Um, and probably I would not have any way to buy it before doing some sort of Kickstarter thing. Yeah. I mean, there, that's a fine route to take where you can put it up on sites like GameCrafter uh, and you can buy on demand. That's not the route I would go. But if I don't get any bites from this round, I would probably try one more time because I'm going to PAX Unplugged, try and get some more okay. meetings, do one more round. If I don't get any bites, well, one, I would want to take what feedback I was given. Find out why don't I have bites. Is it just not 
am I pitching it to the wrong publishers? Is it not mm-hmm. right for their line? If I get a lot of feedback that's pretty similar, then I would want to make those changes. I wouldn't want to okay. just like say, you know what, I'm not listening to you. I'm putting it on Kickstarter. Let's see what happens. Okay. I would want to like make it a good game. I want it to be the best game it can be with yeah, all my games. Sure. So that's what my route would be. But I would look into Kickstarter to answer your question. Okay. Uh, depending if I don't get any bites the next round either. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So how do we uh, get a hold of you, or um, what, what's your socials? Yeah, so I am on Twitter. I need to get better at social media. I'm pretty bad <laughs> at it, honestly. I don't get on it and talk and converse enough. I try to. Uh, but on Twitter, uh, it's at Geikamir, G-E-I-K-A-M-I-R. Or you can just look up my name, which is how you'll also find me on Facebook, which is David Yetzi. Mm-hmm. Last name is I-E-Z-Z-I. Okay. Pretty unique last name. Um, and then, yeah, so those are the two major platforms I'm on. I'm not on Instagram. And uh, you'll be at Pax Plugs. I will be. Maybe bringing your game, maybe not. Yeah. I decided. Well, I hope I don't. Okay. I hope that I don't. <laughs> Got it. I will have other games either way because I have a ton. So I'm going to be bringing games and I'm going to be pitching them to publishers. Okay. Hopefully, uh, it's not that one. PAX West, are you going to be there? Uh, I won't be. Okay. Uh, well, most likely will not be. Check out Orcagon. That might be a good one for you. Oh, I'll yeah. be at Orcagon. I'm local, so I will be All here. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're board members. Oh, are you? <laughs> Very pleased. Yes. Oh, well, I will see right. you then. Maybe right. maybe I'll see you in the hallway and say, hey, I got that game signed. Okay, okay. that'd be great. <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. on the show. I yeah. appreciate you having me. Great. All right. Cool. Yeah. Take care. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Around the Table, Linwood's premier game store and hangout for game lovers of all ages. Buy a game, play one of ours, or join us for a drink. Whichever you choose, you'll have a great time. Around the Table Game Pub. Now back to our show. I totally love talking to David Yetzi and uh, Dragonflight. Dragonflight was so much fun. He's, he's one of the great game creators that were there. He is an up-and-comer, man. He won the Lucy Award. Yes. That's great. That's fantastic. We met other people who won the other Lu- Lucy Award as yes. well. Lucy. Well, that, that interview is going to come up. So do you think that he'll remember us when he becomes no. super famous? No. Probably not. He'll probably remember Paul. David, will you please just Those just those, those creepy us. dudes in the back hallway and the bottom floor at yeah. the hotel. Please remember us when you make it big and let us interview you again. Sure, yeah. Maybe that big company. The creepy groveling dudes that interviewed you in the hall. Don't grovel for likes and whatnot. Come on, man. <laughs> Have some dignity. Well, we got to That's our only way to get people. That's right. That or kidnapping them. Yes. Well, anyway. Well, so, if we did a review of lap dance, we might get more people. Okay. You, you we might have to have a lap dance moratorium. There you go. There you, go. Oh, come well, on. you can play that game. And then uh, let us know how it is. So um, with that, let us go to the make, do a game review. The what Geeks game Tabletop review? Game Review? Yes. Yes. Uh, that sounds great. All right. What's the name of the game? What's 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 the game? It's Gunshun Clever. All right. All right. Let's check it out right about now. Welcome back, Geeks, to a tabletop review. I'm Kelly, and this is Doug, and we're Geeks of Cascadia. This week we're doing... Uh, Say it right. This episode, Gans Sean Clever. Well, that's Should pretty we? clever if you speak English. <laughs> if you don't speak whatever that is. German. <laughs> German? German, yes, it's German. German. Uh, this is a, a write-and-roll kind of game, like Yahtzee is like one of the first write-and-roll games. It is the write-and-roll game. I, yeah, it's yeah. the write-and-roll game everyone knows. <laughs> but this is similar to that where we're rolling dice and crossing off and writing down numbers on a score pad. Um, there have been a lot of write-and-roll games, roll-and-write games that have come recently out recently. Recently come back? Yeah. And people taking Yahtzee, or bringing Yahtzee back to the drawing board and fixing yep. it up. I mean, there's this, there's, I mean, Imperial Settlers has a version coming out. There's, oh, there's like Dice Roller, or uh, Role Player. No. Role player, not so much. Not yeah. so much? That's you're building a D&D character by rolling dice. But you're still rolling dice. Yeah. But it's, that's dice drafting, like Sagrada's dice drafting. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. not like... Yeah, no, like, not like this. Okay. Um, anyway. Yeah, Hex Roller, lots of lots of roll and write games coming out recently. That's pretty clever. By Stronghold Games and Schmidtspiel, um, developed or designed by Wolfgang Warsh, who also designed Quacks of Quellenberg. And the mind as well. And the game and nope, not the he game. Didn't, he did not do the game. He didn't do the game. It, yeah, because the mind was different than the game. Okay. So yeah. Well, this game, 
uh, is for ages eight and up. Uh, it's one to four players, so you can play it solo. You're actually kind of playing against yourself just like you would in a normal solo game, just trying to better your previous score. And it takes about 30 minutes if you're playing with all four players. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it can go quicker. Oh, yeah, it's a very quick game. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah. We're going to cut to our little score pad just so you can kind of get a This This is going to be view. like 10 minutes all in of its own, just explaining how the thing works, because it's clever. It is It is pretty clever. <laughs> all right, so we've got our score pad here. Everyone's going to get one. Uh, this is played over either four or six rounds, depending on the number of players. Uh, four players only play four rounds. Three play five, one and two players is six rounds. Everyone starts, or I should say, at the beginning of each round, everyone would get a bonus of the indicated bonus on there. First round, everyone gets a reroll, so we're going to fill this in right here to show that we have that. Anytime we use one of these special abilities, we'll just cross it off to show that we've used it. Now... So we have, the first part of your turn is you're going to roll your dice. We have six different dice here, and each colored dice uh, corresponds to a color on the pad where it can be scored. Uh, So we're going to start at the bottom here, where it's kind of the simplest and work up towards the more complicated stuff. So purple uh, must always be bigger, uh, with six resetting. So you can just go six, 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 and you'd be fine, and you might end up uh, calling down some demons or things that you don't want to, but... uh, so six is, if you put a four in, you must then put in something bigger, which would be a five or a six. Remembering it resets on a six that you can put anything else in that you want to score there, so long as it's always bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, orange is kind of like your chance. You can put whatever you want in there, uh, but at the end, you will be scoring the total of everything that's in there, uh, adding it all together and scoring that total. We do have some extra boxes here that give you d- multipliers, and it would score, uh, the purple score is just the same as well, where you're going to add the total number of all of your, uh... All the numbers. The total of all of your numbers will be your score. From there, it gets a little bit more complicated. Uh, the greens must always be bigger than or equal to the number that is printed here, and you're going to score based on how many you fill. Uh, so we get, as long as anything scores, then it's got to be a two or bigger, three or bigger, four or bigger, five or bigger, resets at the five, up until you get here again. Yellow, you're going to play a little bit of tic-tac-toe. You're trying to uh, line up your boxes and score those. So it's just, you pick a six, like if you rolled a six here, you can mark off this six or this six, and then it's marked off. Uh, So if you get uh, these lines down, you score these numbers. If you get these lines across, you get these bonuses here. Which we'll come back to in a bit, because there's... Bonuses are a little bit... Yeah, they're a little bit complex. Blue, when you score the blue dice, you will score the total of the blue dice and the white dice every time you score in this corner, or in this section. Uh, Regardless of whether or not you're scoring the white into the blue section or the blue into the white section, or into the blue section, you will always take the combined total of the two dice. Uh, and you get points based on how many of these boxes you mark off. But if you complete left and right uh, rows and columns, you will get these bonus abilities. Yeah, bonuses are very simple on what they do. Basic ones for like the blue, greens, and yellows, they'll just give you free X's to put in those locations. So a free X in the blue will probably let you mark off a 12 in case you got really lucky. Uh, Same thing Uh, X in the green lets you mark off the next green. X in the yellow lets you mark off a yellow. Anytime you have a color with a number printed in it, you will write that number in that area in the next available space. So anytime you get a purple six is always beneficial because that resets your row uh, of purple. So you can start again with any number. Very useful. There are also rerolls like we have here and here and somewhere also in here. And there's also plus ones. Plus ones are useful that on your turn or... it's No, it's, it's at the end of the round. Or at the end of someone's turn, you can use a plus one to choose another die to mark off on your board again. So say I have I that part yet, but yeah. these dice picked. I can use a plus one to take any of either these other dice that 
I left out, or any of these dice again here. It gives you an extra dice to score. Yeah. Uh, or another thing to mark off. Uh, so if somebody rolled something really nice on their turn that you wanted, like, oh, hey, look, a purple six, uh, you can snag it on your turn, or on their turn, and score it on your board. So you the way turn your turn works, so we're going to take all six dice, and we're going to roll them. Boom, I rolled them. Yeah, you did, Doug. Now, you rolled those dice. Yeah. Now, I get to pick one of these dice and score it. Now, I'm I'm kind of limited in the fact that depending on the value of the die that I take, I lock away anything that's less than that. So if I take this two, I lock away these two dice, and I can't roll them for my next roll for this round. Which isn't too bad, other than, yeah, other than you lose the dice, you lose a chance. Yeah. So this forces you to pick low initially and then go higher. Yeah. So I think for this case, I would take... Blue three. Yeah, I would take this one. Oh, it goes here. And I would mark off this blue three. I'm not going to do it on this one because we're going to save this. Do you want this partially used one? Uh, Yeah, I'll take one of this, this partially used one that was left in the box. So I would take this... I would add it to the white one, and I would mark off the blue three. And then I would roll them again, but Kelly's going to roll. Kelly did a little bit better. Still have a wild two. So this is a wild dice. It can go anywhere, but if you choose to put it into the blue, you must take the combined total. So he can't actually take this dice and put it in the blue. He's already marked off a blue three. Yeah. Um... But you can mark off a yellow too. Good mark off a yellow too. Or a green too. Why don't I just mark off? Or put these two in and take a. Yeah, I would take the five. So I'd write a five here if I can write it upside down. That one's not that bad. Writing that upside down. So, so I'd these take two this. go into the silver platter. Gonna roll for my last roll, and it doesn't really matter what I take here. So I'll take the green four. Now, since this was Doug's turn, and even though it's Doug's turn, since he's put some stuff up on the silver platter for us, I can take one of the, or not take one of these, but I can choose one of these dice to mark it off on my table, or on my chart as well. And, and every player gets to do that. They get to choose one of these dice that's left over and mark it off on their score pad. So someone else can take, hey, I want this white too, because it's wild. If they take the white two and use it as a blue one, they have to add it to my blue die that I picked. So they would also get a blue three. So they would cross that off on there. So no matter where the white die is or the blue die is, if you take anything for blue, you add them together. There's also the options here. Once I've picked my three, if I have any plus ones, I can use them, Um, but only after I've picked my three dice. If it's someone someone else wants to use their plus one, they have to pick one of these dice left over first before they can use their plus one. And you can't use your plus one to take the same die twice. You can't plus one the same dice. Yeah, you can't plus one the same die twice. So So if I had two, I can't take both of them to mark off. If this was like whatever, a really nice pot of some sort. Whatever. There's some really nice things in here. You can't use the plus ones all of your plus ones on this six. You can take it for the turn, and then you can plus one it, but then you have to pick another dice if you're gonna continue plus ones. Yeah. So that's basically a player's turn. We play for six rounds around the table, or depending on the number of players. Uh, There are uh, some other things on here we didn't go over. Foxes are for final scoring. Foxes are very important. They are worth as many points as your lowest scoring area. So if you forget to score a thing because you didn't go down, your fox is worth zero. Could be worth zero, yeah. If you don't get any points in yellow, which is It's the most common thing for a new new person to do is forget to score yellow and go for all of the bonus things. Or do... Not do purple. It's... I've seen it not do either orange or purple. But we have one of these completed score pads just so you can kind of see how a game ended up so whoever played this I think this was Holly played looking at the handwriting didn't quite get in 
Yeah, didn't quite <laughs> fill in all the yellow. Filled in a good amount of blue, filled in quite a bit of green. Uh, the total for purple doesn't look the best and orange doesn't look the best. But we can flip it over and do some scoring on the back here. So I got 24 points in yellow, 29 in blue, 36, like I said, in green. 26 in orange. That seems like a little bit above average, which is good. And only 17 in purple, which is kind of low. They did have two foxes, which we kind of have marked on here. So they completed this row here to get this fox, and they got to this fox in green. So that each of those foxes is worth 17, so that's 30 points, 34 points there, for a grand total of 176, which I think is kind of the average for newer players. I know it has a kind of scoring guide when you're playing by yourself, so the 176 is kind of a... That was pretty good. That was pretty good. But then we get all the way up here to over 280, which I don't think I've gotten to yet. Is I haven't done so 280 clever. by myself. I play on the app all the time, and mm -hmm. I think I average about 230. I think that's what I've been doing. Um, I had a pretty high game when I played against Chris at his house uh, when I borrowed this. Just kind of introduced it to them. Yeah, it's a really nice game. The replayability is great. Oh, and um, you figure out little things, and but we should do that. On yeah, we'll we'll come back and kind of talk over over some things. All right, so Kelly, thoughts on that's pretty clever. Uh, I love its intricacies. I like trying to figure out what the best route to get to certain things are. You can't ignore one area, even though you want to ignore an area. There's definitely quite a bit of combos as the game progresses towards the end game. Oh, just the bonuses where, you unlock and when to unlock them. Oh, oh yeah, no, it's it's figuring out bonuses. Say, hey, this yellow X marks off something on here, which gets me a blue X, which marks something off on green. It just combos really well that way. So you can probably cross off, I think, four or five different numbers possibly just on one turn. Yeah, um, so. but definitely like when to when to do that is also important because things like uh, up here in the yellow box, you get an orange four. You don't want to put that in your times two or times three spot, and maybe you've got a good number and you don't, uh, and you you've got a chance to roll and put a number in. Maybe it's not time to put that purple six in yet because you can unlock more things that way if you do them in a right order. It's a little insane. And there's a little bit of planning with blue. I know that early on you don't really want to fill in uh, Oh, I filled up my blue and then numbers. had no options. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying is kind of fill in the six, seven, and eight. And then kind oh, of you mean have move to, the robber? Yeah. Uh, and have to fill in the harder to achieve numbers as I have something in my eye. Yeah. Um, and there's also in the yellows, because you only have two of each number, so going for one of each earlier as you progress the game is a very decent strategy. That way you aren't losing out on yellow numbers that come up on other people's turns is another aspect to kind of try and play around. Well, this is just, um, un like I said, I was talking about unlocking the right things and filling in your blues too soon and then suddenly not having any room to put things in. But also, like you're talking about numbers, the seven and the eights are incredibly common when it comes to moving the robber. Uh, as any settlers of Catan player would tell you, the most common number rolled on two dice is a seven. So the most common number coming up on these is a seven. I had a point that I was going to make. I don't know. And I don't remember what it was. And I got myself on track, off track. I really did. Yeah. The, the easier, yourself the easier areas i found to be are the yellow ones and the green ones. Because, I mean, orange is filled in with anything. Purple is a little complex because once you get, like, to the fours and fives, you only have a few options to put in there. So, possibly racing to get some unlocks from... You get a free purple six uh, in the blue column there. Or you get a free six in round four. Could be useful for helping you reset your purples if you want to. Yeah. And then, so we found out we were playing, uh, we unintentionally played a little bit more competitively. And if you always leave this dice on the on the silver platter, or um, they can always play this dice. They may not want to, but they can 
they always have to play these dice. If it turns out that they can't play the other dice, like if you end up with these ones there, and they don't have a spot for any of these particular numbers, any of these numbers, they can choose any of your dice that you've already picked that you liked and they were really good, right? Because maybe your last one is a wild six. So if you always leave this one on the platter, they have to take it. Is that in the rules? Because I know we were talking about it. If if you can't pick one of the last three, you were saying that the order of which they picked their dice in matters. So if they can't doesn't? pick... I thought that's what you were saying. No, I'm just saying, once. like, um, this doesn't matter. If they can't pick anything, uh, something off of the silver platter, they get to pick one of the ones that you've already picked. But that's not in the rules. Is it in the rules? Yes. That's what I'm asking. Okay, yeah, so... You, they don't, you can't deny them a dice. Even though it's your turn, they still get to pick the dice on your turn. And if they can't choose something from the silver platter, they get those ones. Yeah. So we were playing mean and found that if you always put this one in... They have to take that. So yeah, that was, that was a rule we didn't really go over. So if at the end of the round you have the three dice left over and you have to pick one and you can't, either because you can't put it in that area because either it's not the number that you need or you've already picked that number... You start from the top of their list and go down, right? Is it? No. Or is it just you pick anyone? You just pick anyone. Okay. So then, yeah, you can pick any ones that they've picked for that round. Always leaving the orange, if you can, is very competitive and very cutthroat, so... Well, it's also just making sure that your opponents get bad numbers. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe that first roll, if you have something like this, taking that five so that you put bad numbers for them. Yeah, that's that's another way to play. Um, but most players are really playing to get their own to best To maximize score. their own points, yeah, and not really <laughs> mess with other people. Even though that's an option in this game. I was just um, seeing if I could do it, and I ended up being annoying and everybody hated me. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It does. Um, things I don't like about this game, and it's kind of nitpicky, is as yeah kelly has flipped all of these extra score sheets which i think right now i'm just going to throw in the trash right now because randomly I mean, they're just left like in yahtzee the box. you get a lot of things with yahtzee they have yet to actually come out with a new pad they give you a lot of sheets which is kind of impressive but i can't buy this pad individually yeah we have had someone come in and use some self-laminating pages and laminate a few copies of these for us to play on that would just use kind some, of uh, some dry erase markers on. So that's that's useful. Um, for me, it's the dice. They're super light. Yeah, they're super light. They're I not like, as bad as the one from the others. Yeah, they're uh, not as bad from as the one from we'll Quacks, get You'll hear about that one later. Which You could blow that one over. Yeah. <laughs> um, you could probably do it for these two. I think it's the same one. But I'd rather prefer plastic dice. That's kind of just me, though. Or just a heavier wood. Mm -hmm. Or heavier wood, yeah. A heavier dice would be better. Because I like bouncing dice. They do bounce, they just go everywhere. Yeah. I wouldn't give it to a... It takes two or three games to really understand and get. Unless you actually play strategy games, because... Yeah, I wouldn't both of the take games this to play. Grandma, who only plays Yahtzee and Cribbage, and say, here's Yahtzee on steroids! I, I wouldn't do that. I'm going to take this to play it at my grandma's on Thursday. Okay. Just just because you said that. Just because I said that. <laughs> but your grandma plays board games, right? Grandma plays Yahtzee and Uno. And we played Ticket to Ride here once. And I think my grandpa won. So yeah. I mean, yeah. They play board games. Okay. I think it's, it's I like definitely it. a I like strategy it much better game. Than Hex Roll. Uh, yeah, Hex Roller. Yeah, that one oh, is very roll. simple. We yeah, had this adds enough complexity that it's different every game because of the random dice rolls. So you'll have to play around the strategy behind that. Um, and yeah, I just think it's a nice game. Okay. It's only $20, which is a pretty decent price for a roll and write game. Because I mean, it's, it's six dice and pads of paper and the box. There is an app where you can uh, buy it and play it solo by yourself and just play against yourself. Um, there's I a was hoping <laughs> it's like two bucks. Yeah. I was hoping for more sheets. It wasn't a sheet. It wasn't a score tracker. Yeah. 
Um, but the app also has Gontram Clever 2, which is pretty cool. Yes. Uh, They've done alternate boards, so it's not just the same board every time. I don't think it's Gantron Clever 2. It's That's it's also pretty clever. Yeah, or yeah. that's quite clever. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it's, it's another clever game. It has a different score pad, but basically I would think it would have the same rules. Don't you know yet? It comes out later this week uh, we'll from when one. we're recording this. It's insane. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do a, uh, a video review for that one to compare it to this one. Absolutely. Because um, yeah, I'm kind of... I've seen the score pads. I haven't quite played it yet, but it, it looks to be a very good game. Uh, any other thoughts for you, Kelly? You'll play? I guess we can play. I can use... Where is that scorecard I was using? Right there. No, this one. This one is the one that I... This one, yeah. Okay. Because I already wrote on it. <laughs> we can throw these other ones away. But yeah, we'll play after this. Um, we have a few more games coming out. We've got Quacks of Quellenberg. We've got to catch up. We've got, yeah, to catch up quite a bit on what's been coming out. Quacks of Quellenberg. I finally sat down to play A Feast for Odin. Oh, jeez. Not A Feast of Odin, but A Feast for Odin. <laughs> it's actually not that bad. <laughs> okay. If you see the the action board is this long, this big, and there's four columns... And then like there's Tetris about, like, box. 12 or so. Yeah, it's... Like it's, Tetris meets uh, Caverna well, for... It's a Uwe Rosenberg game, so, you know, patchwork and... All the extra pieces. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. It's, it's a fun game, and it's... You think you see this board that you have, and it's all this space that you have to fill, but it actually fills in quite nicely as you play it. Quite naturally, I should say, as you play it. Because nice. you're upgrading cards... Or you're going out um, and collecting stuff from the mouse. We'll, we'll play it and, and you'll see. <laughs> and you'll see it too when we review that. Uh, but if you got something for us to review, if you're a game company, you can just shoot us an email, geekscascadia at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at geekscascadia. Anything geekscascadia, you can find us on Facebook too yeah. as well. Uh, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. That is a really clever game. That's so clever. It's clever. It's it Gon's Sean Clever. It's in the name. So clever they named Ooh. it Clever. And oh, by the way, breaking news. We found out there is an umlaut. Over the Sean. There is. Sean. 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 Mm-hmm. I don't speak German or any other languages for that matter. Pig Latin. Pig Latin. That's a little bit. Great. Not fast. I can understand it better than I can If you have time it. to prepare. Actually, you understand <laughs> Undercommon. Right? Uh, you went sure. to school for that. Sure, Raise I did. Yeah, it took a while to graduate. <laughs> yeah, but Which, by the way, it's uh, it's D&D night. It is. That was a pretty good segue, mm-hmm. but since they wouldn't have known that about me, it's not That's that true. great a segue. Because you're not wearing your shirt. Yes. You're wearing your Cones of Dunshire uh, shirt. We Ooh. should review that game sometime. Okay, you can do that. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. I'll do that when it's the, my theme. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a podcast called Ice Town Clowns. <laughs> They might talk about it on their podcast. We can interview those guys. So, speaking of television, um, did you guys hear the um, the DC Universe television thing, what they're doing? No. no. They're doing a Crisis of Infinite Earths oh. on television. With Flash. The fl- Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, um, and Batwoman. That's what I heard, yeah. Sounds super cool. I cannot watch, nearly watch enough TV to get, get caught up. I know. I can't, I can't get <laughs> like, it all. Now, why did I stop watching these shows? It's like, like, oh, no. Damn. Did you uh, collect the Crisis on Infinite? I had them. Gi- I had them given to me in a lump. No way. Yeah, my boss gave me this box of DC because I had missed it a couple years, and he's like, "Oh, you can just have that." Oh, so, wow. so yeah. Dang. Totally cool. What's cool when these new shows come up? My old comics, I like look at eBay and they shoot up a little bit in price. Yeah. What I like is um, my wife will ask me a question about the DC Universe, and I will say, well, on the crisis of infinite urge, here's what happens. Maybe she, <laughs> she gets really impatient. <laughs> Are they in good shape? You... Yeah. yeah. They're red. Uh, they probably, they're probably maybe they, worth, worth a buck a piece. Are they bagged and bored? <clears throat> No, they aren't. I have a few that are bagged and boarded. I've got Mr. Miracle number one, the first appearance of Jack Kirby at DC, Ooh, um, which yeah. is kind of a shitty comic. Oh, I did. Um, I did it, Rebecca. It's kind of a. I'm drinking coffee. Oh my goodness, what is it? <laughs> which is kind of a, a poor 
example of a comic book, but um, it's Jack Kirby's first um, appearance at DC. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, well, do we have anything else? Well, I read a little thing the other day about how um, elbows on the table came to be considered rude and how etiquette is you keep your elbows off the table. Oh. And still Paul, having his elbows on the table, reminded me of that. Some people are giant, and we they have to make from, themselves comfortable. Uh, like Viking times and stuff, when like they'd all me. gather around the table, mm-hmm. and um, the uh, wives mm-hmm. wanted them mm-hmm. to have their elbows off the table because it signified aggression. And if your elbows were on the table, it's easier for you to grab someone or throw oh. something and yeah. so the Vikings I am to keep mostly, their elbows mostly off Norwegian the table. so I keep my elbows on the table. That's okay, it. That's, a little uh, bit of trivia. That's, <laughs> that's great. That's useful in the spot. Notice yeah, how we don't good. have we are non aggressive. Mm. Mm. Paul is clearly we're folding aggressive. Our arms, which is kind of well, that's, a little, that's just like kind of, you know, not that's same. that has been etiquette minute, right? On the Geeks of Cascadia yes. podcast. Well, this podcast is going off the rails, so why don't we just wrap probably get it more up, listeners um, and call it a podcast? That sounds good. Uh, My go little blue is there, is there any, friend. Anything you want to anything you want to wish to the, to the listeners? I do. Keep your feet on the ground. Keep reaching for the stars. Is that like a copyright <laughs> like, thing? Can I not say that? Well, embrace the nerd. That's what I meant. And I hope you make that saving throw. Cascadia podcast featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon.